0: kids, my name's Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And welcome to another episode of Make Ours Marvel.
1: This is episode 46 of the show, where we have been enjoying our start into a fresh new year. We have one of my new favorite characters showing up. We have one of Mike's new favorite characters showing up. And today, we have um, El Toro. None of those. We have El Toro fighting Giant Man and Ah. stuff like that.
0: Yeah, well, you know, we're going to have to have that, too.
1: And, and the Rabble Rouser.
0: Yeah, and the Rabble Rouser. Oh, but and Dr. Octopus. Yeah, that's right. So at least one out of three. And hey, you know, who's to say the other two aren't good, too? Let's find out. Let's find out. Um, so first up for today's episode, we have Tales to Astonish number 54, and that's my baby. And this is Yay. just to
1: say, this is finishing out the first week of January, um, which right. is January 3rd, 1964.
0: Yeah, so a ton of comics this first week, January 3rd, cover dated April 1964. The story is a 13-pager called No Place to Hide, and now we have to actually look at the titles because they're clever, and I'm not going to say darlingly written, I'm going to say daringly written by Stan Lee, dramatically drawn by Don Heck, and deftly lettered by Art Um the deadly tyrant of Santo Rico, El Toro. Uh, So, let's see. This one starts out with Jan walking around the uh, Giant Man Wasp base, um, and she wants to go on vacation. And Hank wants to ignore her completely, as usual, because he's listening to the news about how some evil tyrant named El Toro has won the election in Santo Rico, which is normally a very democratic state, but for some reason, this red barbarian was voted into office, and now he's like the ruler of this little small country that they made up.
1: No, no, no. The Red Barbarian is uh, that other guy.
0: Oh, right. This red, <laughs> commie red red bastard then, I guess we could call we him. We can call him that. Um, so Jan's not happy about being ignored again. So she turns off the his TV, and then she tries to steal his, you know, changing pills. And they get into like a domestic not a real fight, like a kind of a fun wrestling match fight, and she totally beats him until he cheats and backstabs her. And then to get back at him, she like invites all his fan club over to the house because apparently that's just public knowledge where they live now, or something. Or maybe this is their—I don't know. We'll get into that. Um, but saved by the bell, the phone rings. It turns out the. Government wants to see them, so Giant Man and the Wasp report for duty. And the government tells them that they think that El Toro won the election uh, illegally, or you know, by foul means, or something. So he want they want Ant Man. I'm sorry. Whoops, Giant Man and the Wasp to go over there undercover and see if they can figure out what's going on. So they do. They fly over there like as husband and wife. They're dressed in plain clothes. Hank decides that the best idea right before they enter the airport is to stuff all the uh, you know transforming pills into the Jan's purse to hide them from security but of course the El Toro now has a bunch of like you know lap dogs and police in his pocket and they're all looking for for any signs of suspicion they find that highly suspicious and immediately go to arrest both of them they grab Jan. All she can ha- all she can do before they take her purse is throw one giant pill, one giant capsule to Hank. He takes it. He turns into the giant man and he tries to rescue Jan, but attacked from behind, uh El Toro kind of rams into him and knocks him down so hard that he basically like I guess passes out for a little while because when he wakes up they're all gone. And now he's kind of stuck as giant man because he has no other pills. So he's this huge uh essentially like bullseye because El Toro and his goons come back to try and catch him. Um, Even though he's giant, he's not bulletproof. So he has to run a lot. He sort of like stumbles over cars and fruit baskets and hits bunch or hits telephone wires and crashes through bridges and all the people of Santa, whatever the heck this place is called, like tattle on him anytime they see him because they're scared of El Toro. Eventually he hops a train and gets away. Um, And then he uses his old school, Ant-Man device. He still has the Ant-Man theme stuff going on and he talks, has one of the ants look for the captured wasp. Of course, the ants find her. He takes a couple ski boats over there, one for each foot, and talks to her. They have her hide up on a ship and so he's looking through like the porthole and she manages to like or he manages to find her purse and take all the pills out and then he shrinks to ant-man he in turn frees her and she shrinks to wasp the soldiers are like hey where'd she go let's go look for her they jump in a car and they're driving around little do they know that giant man is now ant-man and the wasp are on the soldiers shoulders wow say that five times fast um so they kind of like escape for them, essentially, their transportation. And once they get out, he turns to Giant Man again, and El Toro's there, and he's like, oh, well, I knocked you out once, I'll do it again. But Giant Man's like, no, you knocked me out by hitting me in the back like a coward, but now I'm ready. And he kind of just, like, parts his legs, and El Toro flies underneath him and through a window and ends up, like, hanging on one of those uh, Marvel-patented flagpoles, kind of, like, nerd style. And he's like, oh, Well, my people will free me in a second, and then I'll get you. And Giant Man and the Wasp are like, not really, because while you're hanging there, we're looking through all your papers, and we easily found, like, evidence that you bought the election and cheated, and we're going to toss those papers down into the crowd. And of course, the crowd does not like that, and they go, oh, we hate you, and now that you're weak and hanging off a flagpole, we're going to kill you and stuff. And Giant Man and Wasp shrug, and they're like, yay, I guess we solved that problem. And they go home, and they shake hands with the government. And then Hank complains about how he's tired of traveling while the wasp is still bent on taking a vacation.
1: So you're saying an overbearing, overweight, obnoxious leader <laughs> bought the election <laughs> with red votes and the people didn't like it. And um, they had a new election because he was a traitor to the country. Yes.
0: Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. I just thought It Does, doesn't apply here because lots of people like El Toro here. But anyway.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So. I'm going to get my one significant bad out of the way first. Okay. It's been no secret that I have not approved of how misused Jan has been in this series. Uh Uh-huh. And this, the superheroing aspect of this story is not much better. Jan does not really get to be the wasp in this. She throws one pellet to Henry. But one might argue that she actually causes his problem for the rest of the series more than helps, and then she's a damsel in distress for the rest of the book and has to be rescued. Mm-hmm. So I would like to see more from Jan. However, up until page six, when she gets you know captured, she has to get, she actually gets to be a person in this one, and like interacts with Henry and does lots of, you know stuff in their personal life. So at least she's yeah. a character in this issue.
0: Yeah, and it's been a while. Like The last time that happened was probably when they had to fight that jazz guy. (laughs) Right. And they went to the restaurant, or the club. It feels
1: feels like it has been some time since we actually had some quality Jan screen time.
0: I know, we really should have made a Make Ours 80s Marvel podcast, because I feel like she's going to be a damsel in distress for a good while. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well.
1: Well, this series is only going to go six more months. No, 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 that's not true. Hulk shows up in six months.
0: And she probably leaves the Avengers, too, at some point. So, What's that? She's going to be leaving the Avengers, too, pretty soon. I say soon, but it'll take us three years to get there. But
1: Yeah, it'll be a while. I I misspoke. The the Hulk shows up in six months, but Giant Man continues to go for a while after that. Okay. Okay, so um, the story opens with a pretty great scene between them. Uh Uh-huh. I like the banter. Uh, Yeah. It feels like they're getting into sort of a domestic sort of married pattern
0: and she totally wins the fight she does which i thought was cool like they're getting it's not a real fight again i just want to clarify because for those of you who've read the ultimates they actually do get in real fights like here it's not domestic abuse it's just we're wrestling around and we're superheroes
1: right and also Uh, the, the one big major event that everyone knows about from their life nothing like that
0: no no but she like out outmaneuvers him with the shrinking and the growing business, and the only reason, and the only way that he ultimately wins is he waits till she turns her back on him, and then he like lassos her legs and knocks her over. That sounds like domestic fun. This dirty but anyway, pool, Henry. Yeah, dirty pool, bad form.
1: And do you think Henry is always big now? Like maybe he likes it too much because he's big when she comes in. Like they're not doing superhero stuff. He's just really large in the lab.
0: Yeah, he could be addicted. It is weird. Although I'm amazed at how often he shrinks. Still, because in this one he shrinks to save himself. Yeah, we went through a
1: phase where they like didn't shrink at all, and then Jack Kirby's like, "No, no, no, he can still shrink. That's still cool." And Hex like, "Oh, okay. Well, we'll keep doing that then."
0: I mean, it makes sense if you had the ability to shrink and grow. Why would you not do both? If you know, right? depending on the situation.
1: I also thought that maybe he was always big because like it was really hard for him to be big at first. So like he's just kind of getting used to it. And hey, that's a cool idea. The more he's big, the more he can practice.
0: Yeah, he can still only do twelve feet here.
1: Yeah, we haven't seen him get bigger than twelve feet yet. That's 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 the highest he's gotten.
0: Which is funny because I want to say like when you read modern comics and they flash back to like early Avengers stories, he's gargantuous.
1: Well, there's that one scene from Marvel, right?
0: Yeah, that uh, for Marvel's. instance. Yeah, but even other things like I don't know, I don't I remember. I don't remember this twelve foot limit. It's not that impressive.
1: Twelve feet is big enough to step easily over a full grown person.
0: <laughs> right, like. I don't know. It would be cooler if he could grow the size of buildings and things like that. Anyway, so what's with this? They keep doing the fan thing, and I was waiting for something to happen with that, and it kind of didn't. It just went nowhere.
1: It was just obnoxious to Henry.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't know why they're so hell-bent on us knowing that he has fans, but they keep doing that every issue.
1: Well, that brings up the idea of their secret identities, right? Yeah. Like, I thought they had those. They appear to not have them anymore.
0: Well, he did smash... Out of his house in Giant Man outfit the first time he tried to grow big.
1: Maybe, so maybe, maybe that was it.
0: Maybe the headcanon there is that he just kiboshed it at that point. And we had and now, the
1: um, we had the fan club dressing up as his villains. mm mm-hmm. Um. And they, they didn't go to his house, though. I thought they went. I don't know.
0: No, they went to a gym he was training at. Right. And this may not be his house either. It's like a laboratory. Maybe he has multiple locations or something.
1: Oh, this could be really. his lab. I feel like we've seen before that his lab and his house in Jersey are two different things. But regardless of where they are, they're not wearing their masks.
0: Um, no, they're just. And you would think you would think as a superhero, you wouldn't want anybody to be able to find your lab either, right? If you had a secret identity, like people don't just hang out at the Batcave getting autographs. This is true, unless you're Robin. They call him anyway. Giant
1: Man, and they prefer t- for the Wasp, and she says Lover Boy. So the fact that they're romantic must be publicly known, too.
0: Hey, when was th- the last time we saw him, like, working as Hank Pym for money or something? You know, he used to do things for the government, like inventing things or stuff. So maybe he's just full-time superhero guy now.
1: Maybe. Well, no, this is, this, this is a job. We want you to go to Santa Rico as tourists. Oh, but you're saying doing sciency things.
0: Well, he used to, like... I can't remember the issue now, but I mean, he'd had like, he was always inventing something random and it was always on consignment for somebody. And you, and you assume that's how he got money. Right. And now he's never Hank Pym. He's like giant man. And yeah, when does the government suddenly call giant man and wasp to deal with problems? That was an Iron Man thing.
1: That was an Iron Man th- or a Thor thing. They've called Don Blake. I
0: guess, I guess it's just a government. Dr. Blake has volunteered at least. Yeah. Maybe they just are all about, you know, uh, grabbing up superheroes, any superhero at this point?
1: Um, did you notice the weird phrasing on page five that middle panel. We want you to go to Santo Rico as tourists and see if you can unearth any evidence of a communist plot. Then report back to the Organization of American States. <laughs> what? Which organization is that, sir?
0: You know the you the, know,
1: the United States of America. That's the organization the of American States.
0: The states with Americans in it. Right, right. Hey, but how about the next panel? They 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 reference Ian Fleming, which is right. nice because that's what I've been reading that for the last three years. So at
1: this point, he's had two movies. Um, yeah, I should have looked
0: up what his what book would be in 1963. I didn't I, or 64. I forgot about that.
1: I think by the time they're doing movies, most or all of his books are out. Uh, maybe I'm wrong on that, but I did look up and see that there have been uh, from Russia with love. That was the second movie, right?
0: That was the second movie. That came out in uh, October of 63. So this is January of 64. But they were probably
1: working on it around the time that the second Bond film was either coming or had just hit.
0: So On Her Majesty's Secret Service came out in April 1st of 63. And then the next book would be You Only Live Twice, which was March of 64. So this is in between that, those two books. Okay, okay. There's only three more to go, and then you're right, he's done after that. So, I was just kind of amazed because, like, I didn't, I was never sure how popular Ian Fleming was. I mean, obviously, popular enough to make movies, but did just your regular person know what an Ian Fleming book was? Uh,
1: Probably the movies popularized the
0: books a bit more. Yeah, that's what I always figured. So,.
1: So, um, but I thought this story was a nice shakeup. You know, we've teased this book before for not really using his size changing powers very creatively and mm-hmm. like trapping him at 12 feet tall and forcing him to deal with it. I thought was, you know, it was a new new thing they hadn't done before. It, it was pretty fun.
0: Yeah, it was nice. And it, and it also illustrates the fact that as Giant Man. You know, I, I still feel like maybe there's more negatives than positives when it comes to this power that he's using.
1: He does seem to run into a lot of troubles as, <laughs> while he's dying, then, just as a result of being so big.
0: I mean, if you're not bulletproof and you're making yourself 12 feet tall <laughs> to attack people with machine guns, it's like, hmm.
1: He does go through the entire time wishing he had his shrinking capsules. Yes. Okay. Um, but, however, okay, just passing through page 8. The telephone wires, they seem to slingshot him, which is not exactly how telephone wires work, I imagine. Uh, No. But you get to page 11. Okay, Mm -hmm. page 11, he sends a message to the nearest ants, and the narration in his thought balloon is, Inasmuch as my device operates on thought impulses, language is no barrier. Ah, I've reached one now. He'll contact... Because a reader might think the ants only speak Spanish. Is, is that why the language is no barrier?
0: Yeah. <laughs> is that the same verbiage he used when he first started doing this too? Maybe. because Thought th- impulses? Thought impulses and pictures and everything else.
1: It doesn't exactly speak English.
0: <sighs> yeah.
1: Spanish speaking ants. They only understand superheroes who speak Spanish to them through their helmets.
0: I missed the helmet too, by the way. He doesn't use that here. He's using it. Doesn't really show what he's using. It's hard to tell. Well, we got it's a, a we got a
1: diagram once of a cybernetic mesh in the inside of his of his mask, his cowl.
0: Oh well, he looks like he's holding something, and the electricity is coming out of his hands this time. I don't know. It's not clear. Uh,
1: that is that is kind of weird. Um, he tears his baggage open and removes his amazing portable cybernetic communicator.
0: What baggage? He's really muddled right now, man. He was so much more concise and cooler as Ant-Man, I'm still going to say. Broken record, but. No, I think you're right. A, how can a giant man talk to ants? That doesn't even make sense. There's no theme there.
1: <laughs> He's giant Ant-Man. Come on, get with it. Giant <laughs>
0: Gi- Ant-Man. All right.
1: <laughs>
0: I like that. Giant man Okay.
1: If we get to the last page and they do all this stuff. And um, it says on the bottom row, two days later, back in the States. I'm like, you mean, meanwhile, back in the Organization of American States.
0: (laughs) Dude, how little did El Toro matter in this story, though? Like, I think he's only in like three panels.
1: Yeah, he's the guy at the beginning and he steals Jan and they beat him up at the end.
0: Like most of the threat is his soldiers chasing Hank around the city. Um, yeah, he just shows up at the end and flies through a window and lands on a flagpole. Mm-hmm. But but I feel like I've heard this name before, so I assume he comes back at some point. I did not even look. I didn't either. So I'm good. I'm glad I brought that up because so, that way neither one of us knows the answer. But um, yeah, his power is that he's got horns that he wears as a hat.
1: Well, hence he the did, name, El Toro,
0: the bull. He did knock Giant Man out, so that's kind of uh, impressive, I guess.
1: Yeah, but when it comes right down to it, Giant Man is just a big guy. If you hit him hard enough in the back, he's going to get knocked over, right?
0: Yeah. You know what? I'm thinking he doesn't come back because I'm not finding. You hear that noise? Maybe you don't. The the typing? The ding, ding noise of of failure. Wikipedia is not finding any El Toro. So maybe this was the one time. That makes sense because he didn't do anything.
1: Yep. Makes sense to me. Um, I am going to double check us here over at the... Complete Marvel reading order website.
0: Oh, that's a better spot. Yeah, it just takes longer to find.
1: That's our job. It does. Oh, okay. So we've talked about this issue before. West Coast Avengers 33. Okay. Uh, What happens there? Well, a bunch of
0: ghosts of stupid past or something.
1: Yeah. Okay. It's called The Man in the Ant Hill. And Mm. um, the cover does not relate to the title because it has Wonder Man being attacked by apes with all the West Coast Avengers on the floor around him. But this is where Comrade X, AKA Madam X also comes back.
0: Okay. That sounds familiar. And so the
1: two villains in that story are Madam X and El Toro.
0: Boy. So they were just like digging deep, trying to find something for Ant-Man to,
1: you know what? Somebody must have read the run of Tales to Astonish with Giant Man. And they're like, or with Ant-Man, Giant Man, the Henry Pym run and said, okay, okay. Let's see if we can bring some of these guys back. We're going to make that happen.
0: Okay. Well, I got no more use for this story if you're done. Okay. I am done,
1: except that the beasts of Berlin are the apes on the front, and they also had their previous appearance in the Tales to Astonish issue. So, um, we have one- One we haven't read yet? Yeah, issue 60. Okay. Um, So, when we get to issue 60, we're going to come back to this whole concept
0: again. Oh. And then I'm going to say, "Hey, have, have these apes ever returned?" And we're not going to remember, and we're going to have to look <laughs> up. Oh, West Coast Avengers 33. <laughs> okay, well, we're not done with this with the issue, I should say. We're done with the story because there's actually two stories in this issue that I get to cover. The second one is the wonderful Wasp tells all again. She's been doing that lately. She does like a little, uh, you know, sci-fi story, much like the Watcher does in that other book. This one's called Conquest. And it starts out with Hank asking her to go on a date, which is actually pretty awesome. Um, but unfortunately, she can't because she's babysitting her girlfriend's son who just, I don't know, was in the hospital or something. Um, she's in her full wasp outfit. So, yeah, there's there's more uh, of the whole they don't have a secret identity thing. Um, and she tells him a story about the future in space and this guy who ruled this planet. And he's like, yeah, everybody's happy and peaceful under my reign. But you know what? I'm not getting enough attention. I don't have enough greatness attached to my label. How can I get that? Ooh, I know if you win wars, then you make it into history books. So I'm going to just find a planet to destroy and build an army and go attack. And so he did that. And everybody was kind of happy to go along with it. And these poor... uh uh, I don't know what they're calling and it doesn't matter. Yeah, they get defeated, essentially, and they surrender. And he's like, yay, this is the greatest moment of my life. And at first it works. Everybody's like, hooray, long live his highness. And they're giving him props and stuff. But then eventually he realizes the downside of conquering another planet is that, you know, they need help now. They need food, and they need money, and they're... They're taxing the resources of his own people. And suddenly everybody starts getting soured on this idea that they went to war with, you know, this other planet in the first place. Like, dang, now we don't have enough for ourselves. And this sucks. It's horrible. Boo. We hate our king. And so the story ends with him going, "Doh! I should have just, you know, remained normal and boring. And here I go trying to to look for glory. And instead, now my people hate me. And so cuts back to the wasp and she says, did you have any questions about that, Timmy? And he said, yeah. How come your wasp wings disappear when you're normal sized? And she looks to the camera and breaks the fourth wall and says, kids. Yeah. And by the way, I forgot. This was dreamed up by Stanley, scribbled and sketched by Larry Lieber, finished in India ink by Sol Brodsky and lettered and bordered by Art Simek. So there you go. We covered that one.
1: So you mentioned it in your synopsis. My only note, really, is why is she wearing her costume to go
0: babysitting? (laughs) Yeah. Like before, she was going to orphanages and and veterans' hospitals as like a celebrity. But now she's at her girlfriend's house. I don't know. Maybe because that's how she got there. She flew over there.
1: And you mentioned that he was asking her out. I guess it's been a little while since he asked her out because she says, you finally decided to ask me out tonight. Yeah. And the finally in there implies that it's either it implies it's never happened, but we're going to go with it's been a while because we know it's happened.
0: We know it's happened because of Avengers? Um Or when did it happen? Oh. No, she dragged him out that one time. That's all I remember.
1: Well, we saw them dancing in a single panel in, a, in an Iron Man issue or something like that.
0: <gasps> Iron Man versus the Angel. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we com- we commented that like like five unexpected things happens in that issue. Right. That doesn't happen Doesn't happen in their own books. And that was one of them, that they were actually out on a date.
1: Maybe maybe we should slot this before that one.
0: That, or we could just say that she dragged him and he didn't ask.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Because she has done that before.
1: That's true. She has. Um, but
0: otherwise, you know, these are just the same old thing.
1: It's the same old thing. Now, if you had the original comic,
0: mm-hmm.
1: there was a house ad in this. That I just want to mention, we don't usually spend a lot of time on the ads. But... Here comes Daredevil, the man without fear gets an advertisement. Mm. In the sensational Spider Man tradition, Dare Devil. Oh, oh, wow. The most darlingly different, I'm sorry, daringly different oh, superhero. Of, <laughs> as only the mighty Marvel Comics group could present him, destined to become the Smash success of 64. See what the shouting's about. Get your copy today.
0: Yeah, I don't think it was true that he becomes a Smash hit in 64, but eventually, eventually. for sure. Yeah, he definitely lasts. That's fun. And he's in his yellow outfit.
1: Right. The um the it's one of those where they have the title logo and then just like a big old uh jaggedy text box covering what would be the cover. Either because they don't want to reveal the cover or also possibly because they have not yet finished the cover whenever this was done.
0: Seeing as the cover's all white and I know what the real first issue looks like, I'm gonna say the latter. Yeah. But it's funny that it the logo says Daredevil with no hyphen, but then the hype is Dare devil
1: right? And the character that he's kind of, sort of, maybe a little bit of a ripoff of was Dare Hyphen Devil.
0: So was Spider Hyphen Man? You mean?
1: No, I mean the the first the 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 deaf
0: Daredevil. <gasps> oh, okay, yeah. I haven't read Daredevil one, but I've heard that it's very Spider-Man like. So I guess we'll find out. No spoilers. Uh, yeah, no schnick. spoilers. I, I will
1: not say anything.
0: Schnickter Wilson. You know
1: he's blind, right? Oh, man. <laughs> okay, so that takes us over to Strange Tales 119.
0: and a different week. In a different week, right.
1: we have finally transitioned to January 10th for these other five books. So there were a solid five superhero comics in the first week and five superhero comics in the second week.
0: God, can you imagine only having 10 Marvel books a month now? I would totally collect them all. Yeah. But unfortunately it's more than 10 these days.
1: You get the entire, and, it, and some of them are bi-monthly, so you don't have them all every month, but you get the entire yeah. spread for a buck 20 that month.
0: Yeah. Now it's like 30 a week. I don't know. I'm just guessing.
1: Even in 1964 money, a dollar and 20 cents for an entire month of comics doesn't sound like a whole heck of a lot. No. Sure, it's more than dollar twenty now, but like, is it more than 10 bucks now? 10 bucks for your entire month of comics? Yeah. Even 20 bucks.
0: This is why we need time travel.
1: Okay. So we do need time
0: travel. Rabble, rabble. This is
1: one is the rabble rouser and his startling <laughs> mesmerizer wand.
0: I'm tired already. All right. Here we
1: go. And the the, the credits are boring. Written yeah. by Stan Lee, drawn by Dick Ayers,
0: lettered by <laughs> S. Rosen. Even they weren't enthusiastic about this story.
1: Nope. Okay. So evidently the torch has been like, having temper tantrums and you read this and you think that it's going to be come out. Oh no, he's just misunderstood. But no, the torch has been having temper tantrums. And there's one guy who's been like standing up on the soapbox in the crowd saying the torch is having too many temper tantrums. Listen to me. We got to stop him. He's too powerful. What if your children tried to emulate his stunts and set themselves on fire? Um, And he's getting all these people roused up against the torch. Well, then our old friend Spider-Man comes along and says, hey, <laughs> I think I'll go be friendly to the torch and, and see if I can figure out what's been bothering him. Why has he been having all these temper tantrums? Hey, torch. What- <laughs> the torch tantrums all over Spider-Man. So Spider-Man leaves. Um, then um, when he's the one day when the torch is flaming around, the police are like, hey, torch, you got to turn your flame off. Uh, the city council has decided to pass an ordinance. You can't just go flaming around without permission. And Torch is like, what? You have to get a Fantastic Four permission to use their powers now? And he flames off and flies away. Uh, and then he's like, well, crap. That was losing my temper. And now I'm going to be a wanted man. I just resisted arrest on a police officer. And so the rabble rouser, he's turns out he has this wand and while he's yelling at people and talking to them he's also waving this wand over them and it's it's making them listen to what he says so um, um, I forget exactly what remember there was back in fantastic Four 21 I think is the number there was the issue where uh, it was the hate monger issue Mm -hmm. and he used that tank that went underground and it has like a big old torch in front of it. So it looks like rocket engines, but it's going backwards because it's going like into the rocket blast. Well, somehow Rabble Rouser has gotten a hold of this and he uses it to go underground and go somewhere else. And Torch is heading to the police station to turn himself in because he flew away from a police officer. He's taking the bus. He decides to ride the bus over there. Uh, while he's waiting for the bus, there's this ticket tape parade. And during the ticket tape parade, the um, underground tank bursts up out of the ground like the thing in issue number one and um, causes troubles and the torch is like um, I can't help I, it's illegal for me to flame on and the mayor's there he's like I give you the power to flame on torch you have my solemn blessing and the torch is like skadoosh and he flames on <laughs> and flies over and goes after the rabble rouser and there's some shenanigans with their fight but it basically ends up with the torch getting the wand away from him and using his flame to melt it. Just before he does that, he uses the wand to change Rabble Rouser's mind into being a good guy. And at the end, Dory says, oh, I love you. That's the end.
0: Yeah. This um, this issue is one of those issues that would annoy the heck out of the completest in me. Because now I have to spend $20 just to have this issue So because I collect Spider-Man.
1: Oh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hello, um, Dr. Spidey out there on Twitter. <laughs> How much yeah. did you pay for this issue?
0: <laughs> I was just eBaying it out of curiosity, and it, it ranges from $20 to $40 depending on the, you know, obviously the condition. Right. It's like, man, I'd hate to pay $40 for this just because Spidey's in two panels. But that's the way it is when you collect comics, I guess.
1: It is. And he has um, hashtag all the Spideys. Scott McElroy, that's his name. Okay. I'm actually really curious, Scott. How much Do you even know how much you paid for Strange Tales 119?
0: Plus, you have to even know that he's in it. And how would you? You know, I mean, I guess nowadays with computer, but he's not on the cover. There's no special guest appearance blurb anywhere. Right. He's just in it. So these are the kind of ones that can get away from you, too, which is annoying. Um, so this guy basically reminds me of The Voice, of course. Mm-hmm. Yep. And also that Kryptonian story in Fantastic 4 where the robot turns the whole world against Fantastic 4 and the hate monger and the hate monger and that guy in the Human Torch story who legit thought Human Torch was immature and was like a was he a newspaper writer or a radio host guy or something he wasn't an actual villain but it reminded oh, me of that right, the too. one who,
1: liked, who changed his tune when the torch, when the torch gave his life
0: right but until then, he had everybody kind of hating on the torch also.
1: The, the not J. Jonah Jameson guy.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I feel like we've done this before. Like, turn on the torch and, and not like him. Right. Which so is kind it, of easy because he's immature. But It seems to be a
1: largely inspired by the fact that his girlfriend went on a date with another guy. We found mm-hmm. out that she only did that to make him jealous. Um, which Do people ever actually do that or is that just a comics trope?
0: Comics and TV, I feel like, yeah, from the 60s. I don't know if that was a common practice.
1: You out there in listener land, have you ever gone on a date with someone to make your significant other jealous? Because it seems to me like that actually boomerang and have, like, the opposite effect of what you want. Like, they would get pissed and leave.
0: Yeah, it would be a horrible thing to do to somebody. Although, I have to say, she's been very disappointing anyway because... Since her introduction, I kind of expected them to have more of a relationship, and we haven't really seen much of her.
1: No, we really haven't. It's been a a, only it hasn't even been in every issue. I don't think she was in last issue.
0: No, I kind of forgot about her. Um, And then it turns out this was just a a, you know non-issue because then it's like at the end he doesn't even solve anything. She's just like, oh, never mind. He just wasn't all that interesting. So I'll come back to you. Right. That was just whatever.
1: Some other things that were irritating him were he wanted to go out for high school football, but his coach wouldn't let him because they were afraid he was hurt somebody. And my thought was, weren't you part of the bowling league? Aren't you too busy bowling to go play football?
0: That and the coach ain't wrong. Coach is not wrong. Especially if, uh, you know, based on his actions in this book, he, he gets hot headed all the time.
1: And he does flame on without thinking. He does it on this page, on page two at the bottom there he's reading about Spider-Man and I actually really like this because like we get Spider-Man on the next page, but even if we Mm -hmm. didn't Spider-Man's influencing the story and his presence in the universe is influencing Torch's life here. And
0: I like Mm -hmm. that. And it's Spider-Man smashes vast crime ring, which was the last issue we covered.
1: Hey, look at that. Nice connection.
0: I mean, it may not be, but it could be. So continuity.
1: that's, That's, that's the big man right there. Good job.
0: Yeah. Big man. Um, And once again, the Fantastic Four are going on vacation without him.
1: Without him. Sorry, Johnny. Maybe next time during your summer vacation.
0: Yeah. So I still really want to read that series, whoever wants to write it. (laughs) (laughs) All those times when they go on vacation without him, what happens? Um, yeah. So bringing
1: in the Rebel Rouser is just one of several things that are getting on Johnny's goat. Was, uh I thought, kind of a smooth intro.
0: It is cool. Um... Once again, we get a supervillain who doesn't look much like a supervillain. I'm kind of surprised we're still getting that, considering how deep now we are into the universe and superheroes and spandex and logos. Mm-hmm. And we got a guy who's just, like, from the Mirror Mirror universe because he's hairy, so therefore he's evil. Right. Eh. Kind of boring, but...
1: Um, what else? So whenever Spider-Man does show up to the torch, remember when they last met and Spider-Man tried to crash his party? Mm-hmm. So... Spider-Man kind of had this coming. Just a little bit.
0: He did. I'm actually glad to see that Spider-Man was legit trying to be nice, though. Finally.
1: Finally. Um, he hasn't had the most successful interactions with the rest of the universe right now.
0: Especially the Torch. Right. So. And I also like that Johnny later recognizes that Spidey was just trying to help and he was being a jerk about it. But that that's probably the thing I like best about this story is both he recognizes that he treated Spider-Man bad and then also recognizes that he shouldn't have... Uh, blown off that cop and flown away
1: so uh, where do you go to get hitler's underground tank rocket
0: is that what it is is it hitler
1: yeah this was the hate mongers which i think it was the hate mongers because i think he uses this to get to that little island he tried to take over uh and then fury and the fantastic four go after him but um but yeah hate monger was hitler or a clone of hitler
0: well they kind of wishy-washy about it because they say He goes to this lab or whatever, and it's got a red prototype subsurface vehicle, and the asterisk says, first described in Fantastic Four. And then he thinks about it, and it says, the original version was used in the Fantastic Four. Does that mean that this is a new version? Did he build it? Or, I don't know. I guess Uh, it doesn't matter. It seems like an awfully powerful thing for this random guy to have, though.
1: I would think so, too. I would think so,
0: too. Also a bit overkill if all he's trying to do is, like, what, capture the mayor? I think, who who's in the ticket parade? It was somebody important. I can't remember. I think it
1: was the mayor, because the mayor's the one who gives him permission to go and be a superhero, because right. I think he was there.
0: So we got this evil red menace who has the most powerful red prototype subsurface vehicle of all time, and I'm going to kidnap the Glenville mayor.
1: Well, and, you know, because Captain America goes to Glenville sometimes, and maybe it'll... In-
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Not sure how that furthers the communist cause per se, but that's okay.
1: Well, then shall we move on to something about stranger?
0: Yes, please. That's fine.
1: All right. <clears throat> so let's see. We no longer this book no longer has a middle story. We just have slightly longer Dr. Strange story and slightly more ads. Mm-hmm. Um, this is beyond the purple veil. And the story was conjured up by Stan Lee illustrated by the strange sorcery of Steve Ditko, lettered at midnight by Art Simic. Yay. And what we have is Dr. Strange trying to penetrate the secrets of a weird uh, gem. It's like um, the circular gem with like a diamond-shaped crystal inside it or something like that. There are some thieves in his house who break into his house, and he uh, magics them out a wall. Um he tells Wong to go home, which I only mentioned because it's the first time they've actually spoken to each other in this series. Uh, the thieves try to come back in and rob him again. And since Wong's not there to, to warn Dr. Strange, they actually do have some success. They find the gem and, um, Dr. Strange sends his astral form to see what's going on and finds out that the, um, the gem has been stolen. So he goes, Oh no, not that the gem has been stolen. But that the, uh, the thieves were at the gem, and since they malhandled it, they triggered a dimensional portal. Because the gem is actually a portal to the Purple Dimension. So Doctor Strange goes through the gem to the Purple Dimension himself to rescue the ne'er-do-wells, and it's full of dimensional aliens. Not the same dimensional aliens as last time. No, these are different dimensional aliens. Yes. And they're green, even though it's the Purple Dimension. And the, their ground is yellow. And um, the mountains are purple. So I guess there's a little bit of purple in Purple Dimension. Um, Doctor Strange um, gives his own freedom in exchange for the thieves. So the thieves get sent back to the regular world. But he gets enslaved. And then he uses magic to burst his bonds. And then he and the leader get into like a Deathly Hallows wand match with each other. Um, until the leader is out of energy. And it's like, I can't go on. I can't go on. And Dr. Strange is like, yeah, I couldn't go on either, but I'm so glad you quit. Cause uh, <laughs> that means I won. So he goes back home. Yeah. And uh, I think at the end, the daniel was that the thieves gave themselves up to the police.
0: They did. And uh, he was all, the cop was all like, they said something about a weird purple dimension. And Dr. Strange's like, that's crazy. That's, that's, Those guys that's, are weird. That's bizarre. I continue to be impressed immensely by Steve Ditko's art. In these stories. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, I've always been a fan, but I'll mostly just know him from Spider-Man, which to me seems like a totally different style than his approach to Doctor Strange. It's cool, man. It's just like, I don't know. You could tell he really loved this whole magic, uh, you know, black magic, sorcery, creepy stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. And Doctor Strange has a great look to him. Mm -hmm. Um, Page two, the bottom left panel, it's heavily inked, but it's a really... Really neat image. Yeah. Um, it, it's
0: a lot of neat shorthand. I don't know how else to explain it. Like the way the guys go, come back to our world through the purple. They're just like in this purple mist cloud thing. And then even the last panel of this story where it's basically just black with that that um, very symbolic or um, I don't know what the word is. Very iconic uh, window of his kind of just casting light on him. It's neat. Neat stuff. Yeah. But story-wise,
1: um, eh. Yeah, it was repetitive a than again. I expected from the title. I, I enjoyed it more than I expected. It still was not a whole lot. Um, I had three notes. Okay. And two of them I put into my um, synopsis. <laughs> okay. Of course, I did forget to mention that we do love Doctor Strange. And we do love his performance in the Marvel Cinematic Universe from Benadryl Slumbernap. Right. Um,
0: that goes without saying.
1: Right. But Wong... Has been around since almost the first issue, but he's just been like a person in the background. Has he been Wong? I don't think he's even been Wong.
0: Okay. So this is the first Wong.
1: When the guy, I think, in the very first story comes to him to ask for help with his dreams, the assistant answers the door. Mm -hmm. But this is Wong, and and Dr. Strange tells him, I don't need you anymore tonight. You can go home, which makes me wonder, makes me think about Downton Abbey and how like Mm -hmm. all those servants actually, some of them live other places and they come in to do the work, which is kind of weird.
0: Well, he does just say you're dismissed. He doesn't say go home. So maybe Um, he lives there. He does maybe live there. Page six,
1: the second panel, we get just the tiniest tidbit about Dr. Strange that we didn't have before. Okay. He says, I vowed to the ancient one that I would aid all humans. And I was like, okay, I didn't know that was a part of your thing. I didn't know that like vowing to aid all humans was like part of your shtick.
0: That's definitely a first, um, but I don't think he's contradicted that at any point so far.
1: No, and it, it's pretty typical superhero standard, you know, but it just hadn't heard that from him before.
0: Also, this scene reminded me of your complaint about Thor last time we talked about Thor. Okay. Where you said, like, you know, there's one thing to be honorable and another thing to just let someone walk all over you and, you know, take over the world and not so, do anything about it. <laughs> Doctor right?
1: Strange keeps his vow and is like, ah! you no. Know,
0: but he doesn't. That's what's cool.
1: Yeah, for like two seconds. And then he's yeah. like, nope, nope, never mind.
0: He's like, I promised to take their place, but I didn't promise I'd remain a captive. And then he just completely frees himself and takes on the bad guy, which I thought was neat. On the bottom of that page,
1: he says, I promised to take their place as a captive. I made no promise to remain a captive. Now, though you have me shackled, our battle really begins. And yeah. Keenan and I have been watching Dragon Ball Z.
0: Uh-huh, oh, oh, well, Perfect.
1: And the phrase, now our battle really begins. Um, that basic idea is used so many times in the first couple seasons of Dragon Ball Z. It's like, now the fight's really going to start.
0: Yeah. And then on page seven, they're both shooting fireballs at each other. Right. That's very hey, Dragon works. Ball. Yeah.
1: We just beat Frieza for anyone who cares.
0: Okay. We got you're, to you're, f- you still have to get through like Cell. Yeah. And Majin Boo. That's good yeah. stuff.
1: Yeah. Today we watched the first Garlic Jr. Returns episode. All right. So, it's all new to me, too. I, I, did, I never watched a single second of Dragon Ball Z when it was on the air.
0: Is he enjoying it?
1: He is really enjoying it. Oh, I cool. think we all, we both agreed the Frieza saga was a bit too long.
0: Oh, yes. But
1: um, other than that, it's been fun.
0: They do like their long, so- long sagas, but.
1: I think it's just so long because it was just like one note. It was just, let's fight Frieza. Let's fight Frieza this way. Let's fight Frieza this way. Now we're yeah. going to fight Frieza this way. And now Goku's oh, yeah. here and he's going to fight Frieza. And then Goku fights Frieza and then Goku fights Frieza and Goku fights Frieza more. But now he's a super Saiyan and he's going to fight Frieza. And then they fight, you know, it was just, yeah. there wasn't enough variety to the story.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll see what you think of the next couple series then. Cause that sounds fairly similar.
1: Well, the purple dimension does show up again a few times, but not many times. And like every time it shows up, it's been a long time since it was last used. So I kind of like wonder why different writers decide to bring out the purple dimension again.
0: Yeah, considering you could just apparently make up any dimension you want whenever you want and put whatever kind of person you want in it. I don't feel like this dimension in particular is more interesting than the last one. Right. So you just, whoever I don't know. I, I read these and wonder why something took and something else didn't sometimes because every cover right now is this is the most greatest sensational villain of all time, the rabble rouser, you know, and we know he's not, but then they say the exact same thing about Dr. Octopus and we know he is. so
1: (laughs) It's like when the hype sticks, it's like, oh, well that, I guess if you throw a dart enough times, it will hit something eventually.
0: Yeah. Everything is hyped. So they're not predicting anything, but like in some alternate dimension, Dr. Octopus is boring and everybody loves the rabble rouser. So... Who knows? But speaking of Dr. Octopus...
1: Speaking of Dr. Octopus, it is that time, sir.
0: I get to cover your favorite character. dun, dun, See, dun. What, what we should have done is, is traded. I should have had Avengers 4, and I, I could have traded you Amazing Spider-Man 11. But let's not get into doing that, because that just gets confusing. Um, this is called... The Turning Point. It's Amazing Spider-Man 11, as I said. Also January 10th. Cover dated April 1964. And you better believe they're going to have creative credits. Because the credits are... um, 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 I can't find them. None but Stan Lee could have written this epic tale. None but Steve Ditko could have drawn such gripping scenes. Lettered by Sam Rosen. Uh (laughs) That seemed kind of mean. Anyway. Although, it occurred to me at one point...
1: The letterer is the one who writes all this stuff on there.
0: Oh, true. Maybe he just didn't really care. Um, Okay, so we open up with Peter Parker being morose, which I know is unusual. Um, He's upset that Betty disappeared last issue and never came back. If we recall correctly, Betty left because she was – ah, who cares? She left. We'll find out in a second why. Um, He hears on the radio while he's being morose something that makes him more morose, and that is that Dr. Octopus has served his time – um, being in jail from whatever he did in that first issue try to take and over a nuclear plant try and take over a nuclear plant and destroy the world he's served his time because it's been weeks I guess and he's being let out so Spider-Man does not like that he swings on over to the penitentiary tells the warden don't let him out the warden's like um, I have nothing to do with these issues get out and Dr. Octopus is free to go because legit he's free to go um, so Spider-Man hangs out until he leaves he spies on him. Someone picks him up. It turns out it's Betty, or at least someone that looks a lot like Betty. He kind of freaks out about that, but he can't do much about it because they drive away in a car, and he can't run faster than a car. But he has these, this cool new thing called a, um, a spider tracer. I don't know if he calls it that, but we all know that's what it is. And he throws that on the car. Meanwhile, it cuts to Philadelphia, where – oh, also a map fell out of the car, so he knows they're going to Philadelphia. So cut to Philadelphia, where Betty's brother, Bennett – holy crud – Betty and Bennett Brandt – these parents are evil um, – <laughs> is a lawyer, and he's talking to his client, but his client, whose name is like Blackie McEvilson or something like that <laughs> – I can't remember his name. Blackie, right? It is yeah. Blackie Gaxton yep. Blackie Gaxon. So – Blackie not only is his client but also is the guy who's blackmail or um who he owes money to. And in order to get out of this debt, he has agreed to arrange Bennett has to have his sister pick up Dr. Octopus and then drive Dr. Octopus to Philadelphia and then Dr. Octopus will easily break Blackie out of jail thereby wiping out Bennett's debt to Blackie. Blackie in turn will pay Dr. Octopus $100,000. Okay, we got that all figured out, kids? Yeah, me too. So, Um, Bennett goes home, Dr. Octopus and Betty are there. Dr. Octopus has no respect for this guy, whatever. Anyway, we cut to, um, Peter who tells his aunt he's going to go to Philadelphia, you know, for historical sites and stuff. She says, great. He goes over there. He kind of swings around trying to pick up this new tracer of his. He gets a hit. He turns to Peter Parker, finds out that the hit came from... Betty in her car He's like, Betty, it's you. I found you. I love you so much. And she says, oh, Peter, I love you, too. Swell the violin music. He thinks to himself, I'm going to tell her that I'm Spider-Man when I get home because I just love her so much. I can't see any reason why I shouldn't do that. Meanwhile, Dr. Octopus easily breaks Blackie out of prison. Spider-Man, who was distracted by loving Betty so much, got there much later far too late, so the only thing he accomplishes is that the police think that he broke Dr. Octopus out, but he easily gets away from them, so no worries there. Um, When Blackie gets back, he decides to double-cross Bennett and not only, not free him of the debt, but to take him and his sister Betty with him onto this getaway boat. There's actually like two boats. One boat is like this big tugboat that they have to hang out and wait at, waiting for the getaway boat to show up. Um, Spider-Man swings around again, trying to pick up the Tracer. Luckily, they use Betty's car. He finds them. And just as he's about to swing in, Blackie gets kind of physical with Bennett and punches him. And that makes Betty scream. And that in turn sort of distracts Spidey because he hears the scream. And it makes him slip and sprain his ankle. So basically, he jumps into the middle of a mob, uh, a boat full of mob people. And the first thing he does is, like, hurt his ankle and fall over. So that sort of sucks. So he kind of surrenders. And lets himself get brought in. And then he decides, no, I'm Spider-Man. And starts beating up all the mob guys. He's throwing, like, mob guys at Dr. Octopus to keep him away. Um, He beats up Blackie pretty easily. But as he's wrestling with Blackie, he tells Betty and Bennett to stay back in a corner and hide. And he's, like, wrestling with Blackie. And Blackie's just, like, shooting crazy because they're, like, fighting over the gun. And Bennett decides, oh, no, there's gunfire. I better stand up and move around so in case, like, a bullet hits Betty, which is a dumb thing to do because it ends up hitting Bennett and he dies. And Bennett, Betty gets really mad at Spider-Man because it's all his fault in her mind. So he has no time for that, though. So he goes after... Uh, Goes after all the mobsters, beat those guys easily. Then he has to fight Dr. Octopus, who he's scared to fight, because if we recall last time, he barely beat him. Um, this time, though, he's out in the open, so he does a lot of, like, staying away from him as much as possible. There's a lot of aerial fighting. Um, I can't remember what happens. Eventually, oh, eventually the, tug, the getaway boat shows up and... And he and Dr. Octopus end up on it, and they're sort of fighting to the death, and no one's really piloting the boat. The police show up just as the boat crashes into the harbor or into the, uh, you know, is that what it's called, harbor? You know, the docks. Right. And they both go flying. No one knows where Dr. Octopus ended up, and Spider-Man, of course, gets away also, leaving Betty to explain what happened to the police. Um, Eventually, they all go home. Peter Parker reconnects with Betty, who's very sad, she decides that she doesn't necessarily blame Spider-Man for Bennett's death, but she sure doesn't want to see him anymore. She doesn't want to be reminded of Bennett's death by seeing her. So Spider-Man decides, or Peter Parker thinks to himself that he probably shouldn't tell her that he's Spider-Man, and he walks away sad, Marvel-style, the end. Do-do-do-do. Yeah, exactly.
1: <clears throat> wow. So, yeah, this is... um. This is a really big moment in this uh, Peter Parker, Betty Brant relationship. Mm-hmm. What did you think about this?
0: Um, I think they, so so far it's been two for two with Dr. Octopus. These are pretty good stories. Yeah. I don't um, think this
1: one quite had the um, artistic awesomeness of the first one. It had different kinds of cool art.
0: Yeah, art-wise, yeah, that's true. And, he, and Doc Ock isn't really necessarily even the main bad guy in this, but right. his presence is definitely a a felt threat, which is kind of cool.
1: Yeah. The, uh, the next issue is much more of a Dr. Octopus issue. This is, this is kind of like that fantastic four duo of issues where Dr. Doom was in two back to back, but it, the stories weren't really connected. It's just that Dr. Doom gets away in one. So he's still there in the next one.
0: hmm. So we finally get the big Betty reveal. Yeah. So this is like one of the few subplots, if not, maybe the only subplot we've had on this show that has gone multiple issues, like at least like four or five issues, I want to say. Right. Um, other than not, the,
1: uh, it, other than the Thor and Jane Foster subplot, but yeah.
0: No, that gets resolved. Like, oh, you mean like just in general, them not. Yeah.
1: is well, is yeah. wanting to, to marry her and dad saying yeah. no. And but that's, that's not really like a subplot so much as just, I guess maybe a change to where the way things are with them.
0: Yeah. I mean, we have like Pepper constantly wanting to date Tony Stark and things like that, but this was like a, uh, you know, Betty, I don't know how many issues ago, Betty, is scared for Peter because she knows somebody who is, I can't even remember now. Like she doesn't want Peter to live a dangerous life, because she's already stressed about some other person in her life. She doesn't reveal who that is.
1: Right. It was back when Electro was doing the prison break and Peter wanted to go take pictures and she didn't want him to, cause she thought it'd be too dangerous. And uh, right. he loves the danger so much, which reminds her of someone else she knew. And at the time she also is like, I never told you why I dropped out of high school.
0: Okay. Yeah. So there, there's that, that
1: part doesn't really seem to tie into this, but there's the person the, in her life.
0: Right. There's that dangle. And then and later in the last issue, someone she knows owed money. So she tried to buy, borrow money from Big – what's his name? Uh, what's his name? The Big Man? Yeah, Big Man. I wanted to say Big Head, but that's the mask. Um, so she tries to borrow money from Big Man, presumably to help her brother. But again, we don't know who – So now it's finally revealed. She has a brother, and he's apparently a deadbeat who's constantly getting in trouble and owes money.
1: But here's my other question. Does she really have a brother? What? Because, um, just go with me on a little journey here. Okay. All right. Go with me to uh, page six.
0: Okay.
1: Page six. Bennett walks in. Dr. Octopus is accosting Betty. Bennett walks up to them. Dr. Octopus smacks him around. And then Bennett finally takes Betty into a, a rather darling embrace. Mm-hmm. And um, I just wonder, I just wonder if there might possibly could have been some miscommunication between artist and scripture on this.
0: Meaning, I mean, cause obviously in this story he is her brother, but meaning like that's not what the intention was originally.
1: Yeah. Like in the yeah. script. Yeah. He's her brother. But like, does the art say the
0: same story? And could he just be an ex lover and it worked just the exact same way?
1: Right. Could it be that Betty does not want to tell Peter about this very important boy or man in her life that she's been trying to help? Um, and maybe the man loves Betty, but Betty's not sure if that not, Betty hasn't committed to the relationship, but she was half of a commitment to want to help him out with the money situation. You know, there's there's so many ways that the words could have been put, not put on the page. Mm-hmm. That I just think it's important because, because I don't know ever since I s- noticed that last panel on page six, I've had a hard time thinking of them as brother and sister.
0: Well, and it, oh. whatever that electro issue, when she thinks about this person that was always in danger and she doesn't want to worry about Peter that way, that did not sound like a brother.
1: Right. And that could be why she dropped out of high school. You're right. Maybe this is an ex-husband.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It would work better, probably.
1: It might.
0: But alas, it's not, I guess. Yeah. Unless this is code. Who calls him brother? Oh, Peter does. He must know.
1: Throughout the issue, he's her brother. I mean, you can't get around it with the writing.
0: Right, right. But um, I mean, Peter recognizes her as her brother. So mm -hmm. he must know what her brother looks like or something. Anyway. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, that makes more sense
1: but um but just you know just head headcanon possibilities inside um we do get the first spider tracer in this which i thought mm. was pretty neat
0: yeah he's been reading some batman comics
1: he has been reading some batman comics and i you're right i don't think he calls it a spider tracer in this
0: no i was trying to quickly decide what he called it but transistor oh boy they love that word transistor circuits A small portable receiver. That's the other thing. He doesn't like traditionally. These things trigger his spider sense in a certain way. But in this issue, he's got this little portable receiver that he has to have slung on his shoulder when he's.
1: And that's the way that Ditko always draws it. Ditko always has it with the um, the device. And it may be something as simple as the next artist forgetting how it's supposed to work. Because when Ditko becomes Ramita, it's spider sense triggered.
0: Okay. Which is cooler? Well, I don't know if it's cooler, but it's less cumbersome anyway.
1: Well, see, I don't usually like electronics tying to his spider sense, but for some reason, in my mind, the spider tracer gets a pass
0: because he invented it, and so he figured out a way to make something trigger his signal. Yeah, he calls it a little gizmo. He really doesn't call it anything.
1: Yeah, his his spider he calls it on page seven a little electrified spider, and this is his tra- This is his receiver. So it's a, he has no handy name for it yet. No. I really like Dr. Octopus's plainclothes looks throughout this issue. The the hat and coat that he has getting into the car with Betty, I really, really like. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's just a neat look for him.
0: I like page three when he's leaving. And we could kind of, you know, scratch our heads and wonder why he is allowed to have his octopus arms in jail. But um, I like that he has this thought where he's enhanced them so they're even more agile than they were. And it shows, like, one pulling a cigarette out of the carton and another lighting the match and another like holding it up to his mouth. That reminded me a lot of like Spider-Man two, for some reason, like yeah. just these arms taking care of him
1: at this point, they can't remove the arms from Dr. Octopus. They mentioned that in issue three. Uh, oh, the, and so at, at this point he still has, he's never lost his arms.
0: Okay. So they just put him behind a really thick steel thing and hope he can't get out.
1: Yeah, because in later, in later comics, like separating him from, from his arms so he can't break out of jail, as soon as he gets his arms, he's, he's busting out. So the idea that he's even staying in jail with access to his arms is kind of weird.
0: Well, he does say something like, I knew that if I just played good behavior, they'd let me out. And he's not wrong. It's only been like a day.
1: Yeah, I, I was thinking about that. The, um, the last time we saw him was issue three, and issue three came out, oh, like eight months ago. Mm -hmm. Nine months, nine months ago. So calendar speed is the longest amount of time we can have between issues because usually they compress the timeline.
0: So he had a lawyer that apparently just pleaded insanity, which isn't a horrible uh, uh, argument because he was kind of insane. Arms will do that to you. I mean, before that, he was a respected scientist. So maybe that's why he's getting off so quick, because he just had a momentary bout of craziness after an accident. Mm-hmm. And he won't do it again, we swear, even though we, we apparently promise he forever.
1: will. Well, yeah, because here's the thing. He goes from, like, he goes from a scientist who had a bad day to, like, gangster who wants to become a crime boss.
0: Yeah, yeah. He, ul- he ultimately wants to just take Blackie's money and take over the boat and just do away with him at the end of the story. And become so. the king
1: of crime, or whatever it is he says.
0: Yeah. Yeah, these arms have kind of just made him, like, arrogant and crazy.
1: Right. Um it is only about 2 hours between Manhattan and Philadelphia they're pretty close all that stuff in New England is all close together. Um but, you live up there he, you could take a train to get anywhere.
0: But he does take a plane, which suggests to me that he's not as broke as he thought he was. Or does oh, he? Oh, he
1: takes a plane?
0: A jet from New York lands at the Philadelphia airport or did he just like jump on the back of it? That's oh. probably what he did. He can't afford a ticket. He probably just stowed away.
1: Yeah, he can't afford it. That's really interesting because it doesn't specify that he hijacked or that not hijacked, but like hitched a ride on the plane. Um, it doesn't it implies show. implies that he took a plane ride. Why would you take a plane ride from Manhattan to Philadelphia?
0: If you're broke all the time, especially.
1: Well, the train takes you there. Oh, yeah. Well. yeah. Anyway,
0: oh, well. it's cool uh, that he, he's in another state again, though. Mm hmm. He gets out of New York a lot. He was in Florida in issue six. Mm hmm.
1: Okay, okay, okay. So we get to page six. And Dr. Octopus is yelling at Betty. So you don't think Dr. Octopus is good enough to talk to you? Eh? You haven't said a word since we drove from New York. And I'm thinking, okay, two hours with Otto in the car. Like, <laughs> what do you think he tried to talk about? Here's, here's a list of suggestions. Are you ready? Uh-huh. So where were you when you heard about JFK, huh? <laughs> oh, oh. Did you hear about that new Doctor Who show over in England? That'll probably come to nothing. Children's rubbish. Yeah. I I hear that second James Bond film was pretty good. Did you you see it? No? No, you didn't see it? Okay. Do you think the fugitive will ever find that (laughs) one-armed man and prove he's innocent? I mean, how many towns can he drive through? Or walk through, anyways. So those are my suggested. And after two hours of this, Betty's like, oh my god, please.
0: Yeah. That, uh, that whole scenario is kind of weird, like having her pick him up, I guess. I don't know. I guess if that's the whole blackmail business.
1: Yeah. Have I said on this show how much I love The Fugitive? No. I've been watching it. It's It, it literally started this season in the comics that we're reading. So I started watching it because I, I had the pilot on tape as a kid. Oh. And I, I saw the movie and I saw the pilot and I really, really liked the pilot. And now you can watch them all on archive.org. Oh, um, really? Yeah. It is solid character drama in the similar format as incredible Hulk and quantum leap. I Mm E the setup of the series is just an excuse to give you some characters to tell a story with
0: and to help people every episode. And it's really good. Cool. I've only seen the movie. I've never seen the show at all. So that'd be interesting.
1: It's, it's not that it's not about his flight, because it's surprising how much the drama of his flight and the de- pursuing detective comes up, mm-hmm. but each episode is more about whatever characters and short story they're telling for that episode. Yeah, but um, if you if you can dig that, anthological storytelling, it's not like a, a must go to every episode to continue the story type of thing. Uh-huh. It's it's really good story drama.
0: Archives.org.
1: Archive.org, yeah, just do archive.org. Oh, archive.org, search The Fugitive, and they've got all the videos of the
0: episodes up there. Wow, that's cool. More to Marathon, geez. Right? Um,
1: okay, yeah, we talked about the relationship. Um, I, did, I mean, go ahead. I did write some stuff down about Betty. Okay. We've talked about how the relationship with Betty and Peter has grown naturally. It's grown organically. Uh-huh. Um, they've slowly gotten to like each other. They've had a couple of spats and talked through their difficulties. And I think they've avoided a lot of comic book relationship cliches. And I feel like this is another good example. Page eight, Mm. Betty got upset and Betty fled, but unlike with Jane Foster, Peter caught up to her and they talked about their problems. She realized that she was being upset, maybe a little irrationally, and maybe she just got caught up in her emotions or whatever, but she decides to open up to Peter about what's going on. And they get closer as a result.
0: Yeah, that was a good scene. And um, and him
1: wanting to tell her he's Spider-Man. That's totally the next natural step.
0: Yeah. And the first girl he's wanted to do that to.
1: Right. Well, I mean, we're, we're only,
0: uh, you know, so many in. But
1: yeah. So I, I really like this. Um, it's. Of course, expected that he's not going to be able to tell her that he's Spider-Man.
0: Sadly, no. Yeah.
1: But again, that's done through like drama and tragedy, not because of superhero stereotypes and rules. Does she
0: ever find out?
1: Um, I don't think so. Okay. I don't yeah. think un- until, until he unmasks in Civil War, I don't think she knows that he's Spider-Man.
0: Yeah. Like I said before, I knew they dated, but I never realized it was so epic. You know, she was always like that one girl that they don't talk about that much. It's always mm-hmm. Gwen Stacy and Mary Jane. and But yeah, there's Betty. Betty well, was be the fair, first.
1: To be fair, their relationship goes to some weird places later mm. and they do not end well. But well, I imagine I'm really digging all these early developments. Cause especially compared to the other stuff we're reading, this is like, this is like well-written melodrama. This is
0: yeah, a couple that talks crazy. Right.
1: <laughs> um, I'm trying to figure out what else I have that's that's worth talking about besides just little stupid stuff I wrote down.
0: Well, in addition to that page we just talked about, the ending was interesting because it's kind of Captain Stacy light, isn't it? You're right. And so that makes me think like, wow, they already did that before they did the whole epic death of Captain Stacy and then Gwen Stacy and all that. They already.
1: You've, you're right. The death of Captain Stacy has the same effect on Gwen and Spider Man and Peter. That mm. this has on Betty and Spider-Man and Peter. Yeah. I never thought about that.
0: So uh, so this is the original and therefore better, right? Yeah, of course.
1: <laughs> he says suffering spiderwebs get on page 10. and like, Peter, stop that.
0: <laughs> stop saying that.
1: You don't need to say suffering freaking spiderwebs.
0: He's going to get some eye rolls for that one. You got one already from me. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> um. Let's see. I don't think the fight in this was as visually engaging as the one from issue three was, but it was, it was, it was, it was pretty decent.
0: I like the approach though. I like that. Dr. Octopus is to Spider-Man, a scary person to fight. Right? Like there's even this moment where he says, I sure wish I felt as confident as I'm trying to sound, which is one of the first times he's commented on this idea that we all know and love that Spider-Man comes, comes off as jokey and arrogant when deep down he's only doing that because he's freaked out. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is one of the first times he actually acknowledges that. And I like that in this fight, he purposely, purposefully stays away from Dr. Octopus as much as possible, because that's um, the only way he can and win. And throughout,
1: he can- Ditko makes it clear that – I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go that's ahead. That's one of those things where I, I didn't mean to talk over you because of the audio. No, I know. Um, D- Ditko was uh, showing that Spider-Man's favoring his ankle the entire time. Mm-hmm. And it's all subtle, and it's all just slightly different body language, but I think it's genius. From page eleven through the entire fight, he's favoring that that right ankle.
0: Yeah. So it wasn't bad. And then there's all these other mobsters that that he like blows through because you know they have no chance against him. But then there's like sub drama during this fight. Like Betty gets kidnapped by the mobster, then she gets kidnapped by the Doctor Octopus, and then she passes out, and then they're fighting over money. So yeah, it was a kind of a cool complicated fight.
1: Also there's a lot of Otto walking on his arms. Uh-huh. Which we didn't really have in issue 3, but yeah. it's so like iconic to the character.
0: Oh yeah, it's very cool. So
1: yeah, um,
0: it and, ends and There's no definitive win. There really isn't.
1: Octopus just kind of gets away. Yeah. Which sets up next issue nicely. Mhm. So the subplot with Betty started with issue 9 ran through issue 10. It was kind of more important part of the plot here. It's the crux of 11 and then sets up the Dr. Octopus story that takes us into 12. So this is kind of like a little continued story going here in some ways more than we've had before.
0: Yeah, definitely. This is the first like book that's giving us what we want in comics, kind of the soap opera stuff.
1: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. The new, the uh, letters pages are occasionally starting to complain about continued stories because it is kind of hard to get, the, you know, a, a run of issues if you don't have dependable distribution in your area, but, um,
0: uh, I'm glad they don't listen because pretty soon this will be the standard fare for yeah everything we're reading.
1: So as far as Betty and Bennett, Betty says here that she realizes she should not have blamed Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And I think she rationally understands this, but I don't think she ever completely lets go of this. Um, And different writers have written it differently. And so outside of the box, we can blame it on the different writers writing it differently. But if we want to go with the character, I feel like there's always going to be a part of her that says if Spider-Man hadn't gotten involved in the fight, then they wouldn't have been fighting over the gun and Bennett wouldn't have gotten shot.
0: Right. Instead, they'd be on some weird island with Blackie kidnapped prisoners, ultimately like shot in the back of the head (laughs) and left for dead. So yeah, thanks <laughs> Spider-Man. I mean, yeah. if he hadn't gotten involved, their their life would have been much worse, theoretically. But between, she, uh, between Blackie and uh, Dr. Octopus, one of them would have taken him.
1: But she and Spider-Man never are friends, which is, is kind of weird because Peter and Betty are friends. And sometimes Betty is considered to be Peter Parker's best friend. But she and Spider-Man, never friends.
0: Well, this is a cool twist on the typical... Um, you know the girl loves the superhero doesn't care for the secret identity this is the oh, opposite you're right
1: it, it, it inverts that trope you are correct
0: yeah she hates Thor and loves Dr. Blake so right
1: which you know we've had Jane loves Dr. Blake even though Thor is still kind of hot yeah she just you know goes well, for if, the
0: person that's in her life if Thor asked Jane out Dr. Blake would be mincemeat <laughs> totally we know would. that we know that totally would She's no just lie. settling because he's around. Um, right. Yeah, but good story. So do you want to cover the next story uh, in this issue where Jay Jonah Jameson tells a lame sci-fi thing to a bunch of children? In a- <laughs> I'm so glad that's not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Actually, I would love it if J. Jonah Jameson told stories to, <laughs> to children at, uh, you know, orphanages or something. That'd be hilarious.
1: So we have to confess that um, because of the growing number of issues, we are no longer going to be ending our coverage of each month nice and prettily at the end of an episode. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, There are two more comics we're covering this month. We're going to have three issues next episode. And Daredevil comes two episodes from now. And that throws us off multiples of three. Oh, it was well.
0: fun while it lasted, but, you know. It was nice while it lasted. That just means we're getting more books, which can also be fun. Daredevil, kids. That's going to be exciting. Yes. Is that, like, our only big deal coming up? Oh, Hulk is coming back?
1: Um, Hulk is still six months away.
0: Oh, so never mind. So Daredevil's, like, the big deal coming up, and then I think that's it for a while. Back to um, status quo.
1: Yeah, we had the debut of Captain America. We have Daredevil coming in. And, yeah, I think that might be it for a while. Well, Good.
0: I'm looking forward to Daredevil.
1: No more big shakeups for a while. I think the next big shakeup is the Avengers going monthly, but that's like issue eight of the Avengers. Okay.
0: So in 2025, we'll get to that.
1: (laughs) All right. Shall we do some thank yous? Sure. Well, I'm over on the, um, on the Twitters. And I think the last person I thanked was it's Wanda time because that's the Twitter account where I'm talking about the different adventures of the Scarlet Witch.
0: That that was a shameless, shameless plug.
1: Yeah, y'all should go follow It's Wanda Time, because as we're recording this, (laughs) I have no followers. (laughs) I'm kind of (laughs) sad. Oh, well, it's okay. I'm just doing it because it's fun. Um, Angus Livingstone is a guy I've talked to on Facebook for a long time, and he recently started following us and listening to our show, and that's really great. Thanks, Angus, for joining the party. Um, He is uh, in bands like Port Noise and... Uh, Brain dead Romeo and the deaf idols. And he loves Batman. We'll forgive him.
0: I love Batman. So <laughs> that's
1: okay. Uh, Travis Starnes. Um, Travis Starnes is the guy who helped me get Avengers inspirations out on the internet. He runs the complete Marvel Reading Order website, <gasps> which evidently has a much easier URL. What Marvel, is it? Marvelreading.com.
0: Are you serious? Yeah. You know how often I Google that thing, trying to find I'm, it. I'm reading his
1: Twitter handle right now, and I'm like, I didn't know MarvelReading.com <gasps> was a thing.
0: It totally works. That is so much easier.
1: I should also point out there that it's the Marvel Reading Order was the first one, but oh no, this man, we have Star Wars Reading Order.com, Star Trek Reading Order.com, DC Reading Order.com. He doesn't mention them here, but I know he has a Doctor Who Order doc, uh, out there. Doctor, I don't know what the URL
0: is. Doctor Who, Buffy, X-Files, Law & Order, Dragonlance, and NCIS. Dragonlance. You ever heard of Dragonlance? Good yeah. Stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. I used to read that when I was in high school. <clears throat>
1: um, Dragonlance, if if I have my, my random information about a fandom that I'm not a part of right, um, was started up by female players of D&D. And it's like one of the biggest examples of the people who say that women didn't play D&D back in the 80s. They've only started playing it recently. Like, no, no, no. Women have always been in gaming in environments where they were welcome.
0: Margaret wise.
1: Okay. We also have Iowa's Joe who is at GA Joe 74, but there used to be another Twitter handle that had that name. So I don't know if he had to change his Twitter or not, but thank you for following us. Iowa's Joe. He's also uh, been talking to me about the image comics he's reading. Cause I think my, all the pouches podcast has stoked a fire in his soul. Yay. <clears throat> okay. Um, I have recently started following um, this podcast about Young Justice, and I mentioned their Twitter handle a while back, which is at the YJ Files. But one of the hosts of that show has started following us, Rich Howard, at Umbral Walker. Uh, He does a lot of uh, tabletop gaming as well as making the Young Justice podcast. Nice. Um, There's a a place called A Look at Silver Age Marvel, and his profile mentions us. Really? Inspired by podcasts like Make Hours Marvel and the Fantastic Cast to look at all the Marvel stuff over the years. Because, hey, someone has to read Patsy Walker.
0: Not us, I guess. Somebody.
1: And so he's just kind of tweeting images of comics as he's reading through old Marvel. And I've got some Patsy Walker and some Fastic Four stuff on here.
0: Okay, so not following him either.
1: No, I'm going to go follow him. No, because he's
0: going to spoil me.
1: <laughs> oh, well he is still in early days. Okay. It looks like he just started with the entire the entire bookshelf of August 1961, Fantastic oh. Four One and everything else that was out that month is where he started reading. Nice. So that's pretty neat. I'm gonna go give you a follow as soon as we're done here. Um, and Aquaman Shrine.
0: Nice. Is now following us. I'm so surprised. Rob Kelly, that-
1: you're following us with how many of your Twitter handles? I was gonna say, how <laughs> why
0: does he need that one still? Interesting.
1: And, oh, we had him on the show. As of this recording, we had him on the show of, of just a few weeks ago. But Van, Alan Plexico, has started oh, following us. Cool. So y'all should go read his book, uh, Vegas Heist, and check his other 15 novels that he's written.
0: And follow him if you really, 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 really like Auburn football. Because <laughs> he'll post about it.
1: But he's also got the White Rocket podcast and OHMS oh, yeah. pod.
0: And- the occasional nerdy thing he posts, too, but... Really yes. likes that football.
1: So, those are all the Twitter uh, follows we've gotten recently. While I bring up the Facebook lights, one tell them where they can find us.
0: Find us at com, the one stop website that hopefully has all the links you need for your RSS feed, our RSS feed, I should say, or our iTunes link, or Android, or Stitcher, or whatever else you can think of. You'll find all our episodes listed there. Um, And you'll find a contact form you can use to write to us or write to us at podcast at makeoursmarvel.com. And we occasionally do mailbag episodes where we read your letters and talk about them. And we have gotten Facebook
1: follows from Joe Crawford, Christopher Adam Reese, Abel Padilla, and John Peter. So thank you to all of you for liking us over on the Facebooks, liking the page. Um, We always appreciate uh, Facebook shares of our episodes Twitter retweets of our episodes that helps gets, get us the um, the podcast into the eyeballs of your followers and your people. So um, thank you very much for helping spread the word of the show.
0: And if you want to review our show on one of those, you know, iTunes or whatever Google does things, that's cool too. Those we probably read as, uh, you know, like mail when we do the mailbag yeah. episodes. But I think that helps us get traction also. I'm not really sure how that works, though. So.
1: I am not sure either, but I like to think that um, any time that people talk about us or or, or put our st- put our name out there, that it makes us better.
0: Yeah, unless you so give we, us a one-star review and hate everything about us. But
1: still. We currently have none of those. We currently have yeah. 13 five-star
0: ratings. Constructive criticism, always welcome. Yes.
1: All right, well... Um, just a quick note, I have two other shows. I have the uh, All the Pouches and Image Comics podcast and also Super Silly Sentai, and audio commentary podcast on Go Ranger, uh, which is one of the first Super Sentai show with I do with my son. And those are both at my website, johnreadscomics.com. So until next time, and until the Rabble Rouser ends up working with S.H.I.E.L.D. to help Wolverine get his groove back,
0: Make ours marvel.